I fell and then tried to stand up and on my way from getting up off the ground, I got um, this athlete tried to jump over me and need me in the face. And what? so it's like, <laughs> yeah, like they say WWE track is a non-contact sport. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Bing slouches with another very non-slouch here today. Very non-slouchy. Lauren Paquette on the couch today. Hey, <laughs> we just I... told her. We just told her she was going to be live, uh, yeah, we, and, and we didn't tell her right. about how awesome that intro is. Yeah, the, you didn't tell her you're going to drum roll. I didn't tell her the drum roll, no. <laughs> Stitch already heard it, though. Stitch, St- Stitch is unfazed by the, Stitch is, by the drum roll. Uh, Stitch is on the couch. We've been, we've been requested to move Stitch more into the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there she is in all her glory. <laughs> I am Coach Dale Sanford. Coach Bryant Funston. We are co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time crunch athletes integrate sport into their busy lives. We've uh, worked with everybody from fresh off the couch to the world championship competitor. And you can find out more about us at buildpeakcompete.com. You can check us out on Instagram at BPC Performance or Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete. You nailed that considering you didn't have the, uh, by about. the prompt. Yeah, I had nothing so to So I stole Dale's uh, prompt here. So he, he had to do that from memory. Good yeah. work, man. So, uh, We'll get to Lauren in just a second, but first, shout outs. Lead it, Dale. All right. My first one, Greg Rohde. He's back on. He, uh, we ha- he's been hitting hard over the, uh, in the offseason, and so we, he's kind of went through like a slump having so much like training and nothing on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And so we finally had like a breakthrough uh, a couple of days here. So he's had a he hit a new normal or nor, new best twenty minute power on G Pack. Yep. Uh, and That's then uh, and then he hit probably his best set of four hundreds he's ever hit. Um, an average. I mean, this is if you if you haven't listened to the episode of Greg on the couch, uh, this is only his like second full season in triathlon. And when he first came to us, he was like running nine thirty pace basically. And this set of 400s, and, and granted, they were all out. He did them all under like 530 pace. Nice. So he's he wow. just worked incredibly hard uh, to get it down. So big was shout that the out. same day he set his new 20 minute power? It was the next day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Mike, I got I got some shout outs here. So uh, we had three of our uh, ladies that I coach go to St. Louis and rock out at the uh, um, tour of St. Louis. So time trial. And two crits back to back. They race great uh, as a team, um, and so yeah, they uh, they're finally putting the training from the off season uh, to use and racing really well together. So that's awesome to see. And my other one, uh, fresh off uh, this morning's workout, uh, Hart setting some new uh, sixty minute records. So nice. That's great to see. He's got it, uh, a race coming up this weekend. So it must have been the uh, the pH he picked up this could morning. Could have been. Could have been off my porch. Off your porch. Yeah, <laughs> I got one more. Uh, Margie and Tom Ratliff—they finished their first marathon in LA this last uh, weekend. So, oh yeah. All right, Lauren, what we, do you got? 
You got any shout outs? My, I have two. My first one is shout out to mom for making the trip from Little Rock to yeah. come hang out. Hooray for moms. Me, help me chalk paint some furniture this weekend. There we go. And the second one is um, World Cross Country Championships are this weekend. And shout out to my girl, Sarah Pagano, who yeah. is racing for Team USA and all the other lovely ladies on Team USA. I'm pretty sure the race is technically while we'll be asleep. Um, <laughs> night. I can't say that I'm going to get up at 1.30 and watch, but I will definitely watch replays and yeah, me and my mom will be cheering for That's, everybody. <laughs> that is awesome. That's how all the European races go. I like, know. If Sometimes I will get up really early if it's like 5.30 yeah. or 6, but oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 1.30 is really <laughs> early. That's like that's like When's zombie mode. Flanders. Flanders is next weekend? Flanders, uh, yeah. That's like one that ago. people get up for and like eat breakfast. Today. Yeah. Belgium. Yeah. Belgium. Yeah. Mm. There's supposed to be so much cycling, oh, like yeah. good routes over there. Absolutely. All right. So we've got, uh, I've got a, I've got a good luck here. All the folks uh, racing Wachita Challenge this weekend. Yep. Uh, that's a, a big one for our area. Uh, pretty tough, uh, pretty tough day. We got some athletes doing that one. Yep. So. Yep. And I actually have a shout at, <laughs> which I'm pretty. So uh, the shout at is uh, something that's annoying you. At the yeah. Time. <laughs> so my uh, my Garmin 920, granted I've had it for several years, decided to bite the bullet like three days ago. Uh, the buttons just stopped working. Everything worked. Actually, it'll power off and on, but the buttons just stopped working. Just uh, enough to give you hope, huh? Yeah, but the problem is, is that. Any day now, they're going to release the newest watch, and but but not having this thing is like almost worse than losing my cell phone. Yeah, like no, I'm, I understand. That. I'm like a little yeah. a little twitchy here, mm-hmm. sitting sitting here on this couch <laughs> with nothing on my wrist. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll tuck mine away. Let's hide ours, Lauren, so he doesn't get <laughs> jealous over here. All right, so Lauren. Thanks for giving your time. Yes, thanks for having me. Uh, first off, like, wh- like, just give a brief, you know, sports background for you. Like, how you know, growing up, you know, how how you stuck with running, all that good stuff. Yeah, I I guess I didn't I didn't start running until later um, than most people, I guess. Um, but I started when I was a junior in high school, so seventeen. Um, I went to a really small private Christian high school in Little Rock, Arkansas, Little Rock Christian Academy. And um, we just didn't have the sport at my school until my junior year. Um, This new professor came in that had run for University of Arkansas, which is has it's a storied college uh, university for uh, distance running. I think the men have won like 30 national championships cross country, something like that. Um, So he competed for them and he brought it to my school. But before that, I had played almost every sport. Um, I was state runner-up in tennis, uh, tennis <laughs> played nice. junior Olympic volleyball. Um, my dad was the junior high basketball coach. I was awful, but I did that too. And then uh, <laughs> I played softball. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't even, I can't even tell you. <laughs> defensive specialist. <laughs> Basically that means just on the team because my dad's yeah. the coach. <laughs> um, and I did like swim for like a semester. I was a cheerleader, powder puff football, a bunch of different things. But um, yeah, I... We had mini Olympics when we were in, you know, junior high, which is like little sprint races and like egg tosses and stuff like that. Yeah, and I yeah. used to be able to like beat the boys out for some sprinting stuff. So um, in cross country in high school, at least when I was in high school in Arkansas, and I was Division Two A, which is tiny. You had to have um, 
five people on your team to score points okay. at at meets, and they only had five girls on the team, <laughs> and one girl was sick, so they um, just asked me to come out for a race, and I ended up, I think I got third overall in that race, and I ended up walking because I had no idea. I was like, what, what is this? You're this like, I'm used so to sprinting. Uh, yeah, everything I've done really before hard. is sprinting, and so that's what I'm going with. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really hard, and um, for some reason, I mean, I... I just showed an, an aptitude for it, but I just had so much fun that weekend just traveling with the team and the girls and everything that I just decided to keep going and yeah, here we are. Yeah, here you and, and you <laughs> Random, found yourself on the couch. Yes. <laughs> so so like as a as a pro athlete and you do some coaching and mm-hmm. you're doing your sports psychology stuff. Mm-hmm. So what like like how do you like what are your main methods of balancing all this stuff? Because it's not, I mean, you aren't just, just training, sleeping and eating. So what, like, what are your big things, uh, ways to keep everything in balance? <sighs> um, are you a list, a list maker? I do. Yes, I am a list maker. I do have, actually, I do have a pretty detailed journal. Um, but yeah, I don't really, I guess I just get, everything like that's just those are just priorities to me so I'm not really you know I just um I have a routine I like to on Sundays sit down and figure out what where I need to spend my time um Mm -hmm. appropriately to get everything done that are priorities and then I um I mix and play with that too I don't just work 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 for you know four days and then like crash and then but yeah, I just, um, I guess I just, I just have a routine that I've done for years. And um, whenever I start something different or something new, or when I, when I launched our coaching business a couple of years ago, I kind of had like a cap on how many clients I wanted to begin with. And then once I got comfortable with them yeah. and um, kind of just was able to increase my, um, my clientele, because I don't, I don't ever want to be too spread then. Um, sure. So I just kind of have, um, yeah, just different routines and um, I mean, I think that's just the, built-ins. <laughs> the, the big thing that we've talked about a lot before is if you're trying to get a lot of stuff done, prioritizing what is important to you and having a routine so you know what you're supposed to be doing with your time. Uh, we yeah. get, you know, some people that come to us and say, well, I just don't have time to do X. And it's like, well, you do have the time if that's a priority to you. So, um, yeah, routine tends to be huge. Uh, especially if you're trying to, you know, train and compete at a very high level. Yeah, and that is something too. I mean, I um, I I still kind of have a, a cap on how many people I want to coach because I I want to do the best by by everybody, mm-hmm. and I want to do the best by myself as well. I only have I'm probably only gonna run and race competitively for another few years. I really want to. Um, that's you know, coaching and racing, coaching athletes and running myself are both my, um, my biggest priorities right now. Um, but in the future, I hope to be able to add on more and more clients, um, as the focus tends to shift away from myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, I don't really want to have too many people I'm coaching right now because I don't want to, I don't want their performance to suffer because I'm not dialed in or I'm Mm -hmm. too distracted. Yep. No, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's super easy to do. Uh, when you're, uh, like, even even now we we have to like cap it because it's you know we've we've been doing this now 10 years but it's like uh you still realize there's a point where 
just you just can't pay attention to that many people and you don't yeah. want to offer a crappy service right <laughs> uh, and then and then find yourself you know just you take all these clients on and then everybody's getting crappy coaching and then exactly eventually it just goes doo -doo 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 -doo, and yeah and I, I hate to I hate to say no honestly I'm like yeah. I'm a people pleaser <laughs> I hate to you know <laughs> yeah. um, but it's definitely better to you know if I have to turn down somebody that asks for coaching services I don't just you know, no, it's like, well, but these are some other options. And I know like yeah. I've referred some, some younger athletes to you guys too, because you guys with oh. Chris do a great job with coaching some yeah. of the youth athletes you have. Yeah. But that for instance is something like I'm only available for online um, coaching right now. I, I'm not really, I don't really have the resources to right now with my own training to like meet younger athletes and stuff. So sure. I hate to say no, but they're, it, there, it just depends on what, you know, yep. the person's you looking draw, for. So. Yeah. No, for sure. You got to draw the line somewhere yeah. until the, the availability uh, opens up and makes sense. So, And I think a big thing there is like anytime you're saying yes to something, it means you're going to say no to something Definitely. else. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, saying yes to meeting with someone at 4 p.m. when that's supposed to be your training time, for example is now you're saying no to your own training or possibly to the quality of training you would have had otherwise. So I think people that are listening to this kind of think about what are those areas in your life that you're saying yes to things that you you know, maybe shouldn't be doing um, because now that means you're saying no to the stuff that you probably truly want to do or you can make a bigger impact at. And you guys may have, you. that's also a good segue, but you may also have we're going to bring this up later, but that also ties in with the concept of rest and recovery too with training is like, mm -hmm. for me, like sleep is so, so important to me. I, I sleep like nine to 10 hours a night and I take naps every single day. I know it's only 11.50, but I've already trained once today and taken a nap. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because I'm running at like 1 30. <laughs> so we know you're not going to nap right no, now. No, I've had my coffee. If this gets boring, we ask boring questions. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. All right, well, let's dive into some of your results. Maybe we should have let off with uh, results here. I think the one of the, the most impressive here uh, 2018 world ranking of number 15 in the 5,000. This is world people. World. World. Like all the continent. That includes Antarctica. That's <laughs> the all the people. <laughs> all the, the five kids. She's killing. She's smashing the penguins. Yeah. They can't keep up. So everyone, uh, number 15. That's, that is remarkable. Um, times, you know, PR right at 1514 uh, for the 5,000. And numerous races, what, eight or nine, I think, um, between 1528 and 1514. Uh, which I don't know if I could do a hundred at that pace. Maybe I don't know. What do you think, Dale? Yes, you could. <laughs> uh, well, let's find out. Let's go find out. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's huge. Um, and one of the big things, uh, you've stayed injury free pretty much since yes. uh, since you've gotten into this and made the shift. So you were doing. We were chatting about this before. You started out more eight hundred. Um, it's 1600, yeah. right? Or mile. And now you've moved, you've transitioned to the 5,000 where, um, you're what, you're about to go to Boulder to yeah. uh, get some altitude training before yeah. some big races coming up. Yes. Excellent. So you went, yeah. so you went to college at Baylor mm -hmm. and you ran, mm -hmm. you ran the 800 mm -hmm. at Baylor, like yes. specifically. Yeah. I mean, I think 
so I think my strengths have always been more on the aerobic side, but just because I started running when I was 17 and I was running 20, 30 miles a week. And then you go to college and you up your mileage so much. My coach, I'm, I guess coach Harbor, I love him to death. Mm. We still talk today. Um, but he was, he wanted me to move up to the 1500 after, um, my freshman year, but I just loved the 800 so much that he didn't make me. But, um, then my senior year, I just transitioned to the 1500, which is, um, just short of a mile. And, um, yeah, so that went really well. Um, I didn't want to admit that he was right, but yeah, my strengths are in the Mm -hmm. longer, longer stuff. And then even more so, like, I think that, I'm a much better 3K, 5K runner than I am a 15, 800 meter runner. But um, yeah, the transition's been definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's well, not very common. <laughs> well, it's, it's the, you know, in our, in our experience, it's the, it's the carryover, right? You learned how to get super fast and then that, you know, all that leg turnover and everything transitions into the longer distances. That's really like our, my number one, like, uh, you know, marketing bullet point for why people should learn to run fast first mm-hmm. before they go start doing half and full marathons. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you take the time on the front end and that all that stuff carries over in transitions. It doesn't matter if you're running, uh, you know, uh, like you're a triathlete or a runner or whatever. If you spend the time on the front end, it's, it's going to carry uh, to whatever distance you want to do. Even in those, even to the hundred mile, I mean, just the, Mm -hmm. just being able to handle those, those levels of higher leg turnover and, and, uh, you know, aerobically be able to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. It helps. It it makes a huge difference and not to dote on Greg anymore, but that's really why he's made such big improvements is because he turned over the keys in the front end and said, okay, let's do whatever you think we need to do. And that was, it was all speed. So getting faster oh, that's awesome so, Good job, greg yeah greg <laughs> i don't know you but great job <laughs> so we, all, we always have to ask uh you know when we get an athlete on the couch as far as uh like any of your best your best and your worst race memory <sighs> which I... is actually what uh, chris was wanting to hear too oh uh, yeah one of the questions coach chris yeah hey, what chris. are your best and worst races and most memorable so I guess this is kind of weird, but I, I don't feel like I have like, it's not like a polar for me, polar opposites. It's not like the best and the worst. Cause I feel like for me, my, my best race memories are the races that I've had some kind of obstacle that I've had to overcome. So like in one way they've really sucked mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> and in the, and in the same vein, they've either taught me something or elevated my career even farther, showed I learned something or i figured out that I could handle that. So I guess probably, um, I mean, there's always those couple of races too that have just been like, oh my gosh, I felt so great. And those Mm -hmm. are great race memories. And that's kind of like, you know, that's not really why you train, but you train so hard, like, so that, you know, you, you can have one of those in the future and they're very, very rare. But I would say that, um, so two races stick out to me. I would say the first one, um, I guess my worst race memory would be one that I didn't even finish. And so that would be when I was a sophomore in 
college, I was running in an 800 meter at Tyson Invitational, which is an indoor track race in Fayetteville, Arkansas at a U- University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, indoor tracks are 200 meters, well, standardized ones are 200 meters around. It's half the size of an outdoor track. Um, so very tight turns. This track in particular is um, on hydraulics. It's banked. Um, and for whatever reason, the race director has decided to put 16 athletes in the 800, which oh, wow. th- these tracks are typically <laughs> six lanes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I mean, the 800 is a sprint. It's like elbows being thrown, like people get spiked. It's, it's crazy. So they put way too many people in this race. And I got tripped the first 100 meters and was basically, I fell and then tried to stand up. And on my way from getting up off the ground, this athlete tried to jump over me and need me in the face. And what? so it's like, <laughs> yeah, like they say WWE track is a non-contact sport. So yeah. basically, um, I, it, I blacked out. It kind of, it knocked me unconscious and, um, I, oh, wow. I kind of woke up like a few seconds later and first thought was like, I have to get off this track because I can't see anything and they're coming around again and I'm going to get trampled again. So I basically like crawled into the long jump pit, which is like full of sand, <laughs> just like waiting for my trainer to come get <laughs> yeah. me. And like our trainer at Baylor, Kevin Robinson, he is like my, one of my favorite people on the planet. Like I don't even, it felt like it was like that. And all of a sudden he was just carrying me off the track. And so, um, ended up, I, uh, had like multiple fractures in my face. <laughs> so this is like, it's actually, it's also, it's an eight hour bus ride from Baylor. So we like not realizing that it was, was broken yet. I drove all the way back eight hours with like a, like a piece of meat on my face and like ice <laughs> and stuff, you know? Like, it was like chicken since it was the Tyson. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like drumsticks. I know. But yeah, it ended up being this crazy, like, freak accident i had i mean i had to have facial reconstructive surgery oh wow like Jeez. I, this is I have, not the story i was it, expecting i know <laughs> i got you this is like the worst race like thing but basically like so it was all these things like i have i still have um five metal plates and 20 screws on my face and then i it was really bad because it um it broke my orbital socket. Uh So your optic nerve is what controls your eyesight. And it had trapped my optic nerve. And if I didn't have surgery, I, there could have, there would have been a chance of going blind. Like I had to like get it taken care of. And it broke like my maxilla, which is this bone that's right underneath your nose, broke my nose, like shattered my cheekbone. So anyway, that's probably like the worst race experience I've ever had. Um, But it definitely was like... How was the other person's knee is my question. So this was my friend Paige Rollins and she ran for Arkansas. Former friend. No, we're... We're cool. It's not her fault. It's not... She's not... She's not who tripped me anyway. It's not her fault either. But anyway, um, her meniscus was torn. Wow. So she was out the entire season. This was... This was early February, which indoor nationals for for a D1 track is usually, like, early March. So okay. I basically, like, bus home, bus back to Baylor, had x-rays, knew it was broken uh-huh. after that. I mean, we knew it was broken, but mm-hmm. 
Um, and then my my dad is actually a breast cancer surgeon. So he works in this, he works in Little Rock at um, Baptist in the surgical pavilion, which okay. has a bunch of different um, surgeons and all different um I guess practices, I mm-hmm. guess. But he had some friends, a plastic surgeon, ophthalmologist, um, who they flew me home and they operated on me. And so then wow. it was like two weeks of um, I couldn't have the 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 operation for a couple of weeks after the surgery because with just such fine muscles, they needed the swelling to go down mm-hmm. before they could really get in there and yeah. do the <laughs> do the best job. And um, I'm sure that was a lot of pressure for them like operating on their good friend's child um but yeah so it was really insane because i couldn't um in order for the pressure to or the swelling to go down i couldn't really i couldn't run and i couldn't do anything that would really elevate my blood pressure at all so it's basically like sitting on the couch for two weeks like watching tv with one eye like can't really do much couldn't really read because that would give me headaches and all this stuff but then i ended up coming back um so we had two weeks before ncaa indoor nationals and i had already made nationals um as part of a dmr team it's a distance medley relay um and so that first week before nationals my coach (laughs) gave me basically sprint work almost every day just to like fire my muscles back back into like commission and then we ended up um i was the leadoff leg on the dmr and i was so frightened because I had no idea what I was, what, how it was going to go. Like it was actually on the track that it had the accident happened. Oh, so wow. it was like, oh. you had flashbacks. Yeah. Um, it was just like, oh my gosh. This is serious? how you what went into this? sports psychology, <laughs> yes, right? This is. is how your career it definitely in sports psychology is. began. Um, exactly. And so basically, um, I let off that leg. I went out like a bat out of hell and kind of died a little bit because I just was like my body still wasn't quite ready, but uh-huh. let off in pretty good position. I think okay. I let off like fourth or something and we ended up getting all Americans. That was like the best that I could have asked for. Nice. Like I didn't think we were going to win or anything, but it was just like, it was less about how we did and like how my actual, what the result was and like just getting back on the For horse sure. and just yeah. like i don't this like scares the crap out of me but i'm gonna go do it and oh yeah so that's, that's probably the worst and one of the best with the aftermath i think they're all coming together here yeah so yeah like, so you have a couch to nationals program essentially that you put into place. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly just trying not to panic, <laughs> just an exercise and just like relaxation as much uh, as I could. I think that's like the perfect segue into why you got into sports psychology. I mean, that was definitely interesting. Um, just even that part that I've already shared, but then it was really crazy because I had, you know, I started running later and later. Um, most people start running when they're like 15 or like even earlier than that who were, who get to this level, I guess, but, uh-huh. um, or like even in college, but basically, uh, I, wait, I just lost my train of thought, <laughs> had all these things I was going to say that I forgot. Um, but yeah, basically, um, I had been invincible up to that point. So when you before you had your first big injury as an athlete and you're a young athlete, you kind of just think like, oh, like 
I kind of took naturally to the sport and I'm progressing so much and I'm making such big gains. And like, I ran 220 in the 800 in high school and then I ran 207 my freshman year. Like, I'm going to run 152 mm -hmm. at the time I'm a senior. And you just, you know, you don't really, you don't know any better if you're not really, haven't been around the sport your whole life. Like, I didn't really know a lot about that. I just knew like I could run fast and like I, I loved it. Hadn't really had the lows? No, mm -hmm. no. And so then even though this, injury, this facial injury wasn't really a, um, a typical track injury. It wasn't like a stress fracture or tendonitis or something like that. It was like, oh, I'm not like as, you know, invincible as I, as I thought I was. And sure. so even though like I did learn a lot about that, I kind of found myself, um, running, like I would, I would go to races and, because right after indoors, like, college athletes don't get a break. You just go season to season to season. Yeah. So running indoors, indoors ends early March. You may start outdoor track, like, late March or early April. Um, so I, I found myself doing this thing where I would go out in a race and I would be running in, like, lane three or four. And I think it was a, like, like a defense mechanism. Just avoiding, avoiding yeah, getting like, in the... Don't, yeah. Don't be near me. Like, no. I don't care if I'm adding like 15 meters to my own race, you know, no. but it was definitely a subconscious thing. Like, I didn't even know I was doing it. And then there would be other races where one weekend, and this continued until like my junior year. So this is like a year and a half of this where I would go run a race and I would run like amazing at PR or whatever. And then like the next week I would go race and I would run like 10 seconds slower. So it was just this like yo-yo thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just this kind of weird, like um, just, it just a blow to my, to my confidence, even though I was still steadily progressing, but I just wasn't racing with the, the conviction or the confidence that I had. And I had actually, um, I'd asked my coach and my trainer if there was somebody that I could talk to about, things like this or, um, and most college programs don't have a sports psychologist on staff. Um, so you kind of have to like refer out to different people. So I did see a couple people and I remember one person in particular, uh, was <laughs> just, um, he, I think he, he did work with athletes, but he didn't, he wasn't really trained in like athlete specific strategies mm -hmm. or just like, didn't really know like the ins and outs of, um, just the struggle that you go through day in and day, day out and yeah. trying to balance everything and have a life and have, you know, not just be an athlete because yeah. you just, you can't do that. It's like not, it's impossible basically, um, without suffering in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and this guy was like, trying to do this, you know, hypnotism thing where like, I'd be closing my eyes and he'd be, I don't know, like, um, and I think. Maybe that works for some people. Some like people are susceptible the... to it. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, okay, you know, like it wasn't the whole really, thing. yeah, it wasn't really what I was looking for. So yeah. that kind of just got me interested into thinking about that as a future career option. But I actually didn't start. Um, I mean, I graduated from Baylor in 2009. And then I ran, I signed a contract with ASICS and ran for them for a couple of years um, and then I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee to join a training group there, but it wasn't until like the year after that, that I actually went to graduate school, but I decided to go for sports psychology because there was just so much that 
I just like wanted to know more about and kind of just, you know, try to help people with. And I do practice, I do practice, um, I help, I, I don't really call it practicing, but I do consult with athletes, um, over, um, mental performance issues, but I also use it a lot in my coaching. Um, so it definitely has helped a lot, but that's kind of why I got into sports psychology. I do, I, I use it on myself sometimes too, some of the things I've, I've learned, but I actually had been seeing my own, um, sports psychologist for the past couple of years. Gotcha. So. So if you were to go back and what you know now with sports psychology, how would you essentially analyze what was going on with you after your injury? making the comeback, kind of having the yo-yo performance. Was there any one thing? Was it just a multitude of things or? I honestly think, and I, you know, I honestly think it's just like, I was just a young athlete and doing, didn't really, didn't really know any better. And just kind of, you know, I didn't have, you know, my, my confidence was very shaky. Like I just didn't. And so basically, um, I just like, I'm somebody like I like to kind of know like how things work and I feel more comfortable when I can kind of explain something. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't really know what was going on at the time. But like looking back, I think it was just, I just, you know, couldn't believe that this had happened to me. And it was kind of like a, a, um, you know, I just, just threw you off your game, the, the track where everything was going well, and then? Yeah, I just had an expectation, I think, that I was going to be this and this, and I was supposed to do this and this and this on this timeline. And when mm, that yeah. didn't happen, which is like, that hardly ever happens. Like, everybody has this idea of how good they're going to do in college or pros or whatever. And it... it it like never really happens the way you think it did. And I just didn't know, I didn't have the coping skills and the gotcha. coping strategies to, to deal with not meeting my own expectations, which were definitely unrealistic. I mean, gotcha. absolutely. And I just like, didn't, I just didn't really know any better. And it wasn't like, like my dad was a professional pole vaulter. My mom wasn't really like, she was a cheerleader and stuff in high school, but she wasn't really like, She's really fast, actually, but she like, didn't really do like a lot of sports. Uh-huh. And so I think it was just kind of like I just didn't really like know like how to how to process everything. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my my parents are great. They just were they've never been like ones to push me into stuff. They've just been like, yeah. try a bunch of stuff, see what you like will support mm-hmm. you. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're not, you know, making really stupid decisions. But uh-huh. yeah. So. So, I mean, I think that carries over into the amateur world just as much. I mean, you get an athlete who, you know, at first, you know, I kind of, I kind of call them like default gains or they're just, they haven't even been training that with much structure. And as soon as you put them on structure, it's like improvement, 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 improvement. And then all of a sudden they get to kind of that pointy end of things and you start to have like, like a bunch of days are like, no, those are okay. And then you get to like crappy days and then you just get a few really good days yeah. <laughs> here and there and you have to like yeah ha- that's where like uh, for us like that's that's the kind of the thing that we have to work on the most mentally with people is just oh yeah like there we have expectations they have expectations if they're off we have to kind of align them a little bit 
And then we have to explain over and over that, okay, today went pretty good. We hit the marks and then yesterday sucked and soon we're going to get a really good day. And, but we just don't get a lot of them. Like that's just, that's how every, every session's not a breakthrough anymore. Now it's, you got to be much more diligent and and patience, I guess, for successful people, Mm -hmm. like people that are like successful in business or in their, you know, in their field, like that's the, like they think it's great, but they have such confidence in themselves and being able to like take on any challenge that they set these massive expectations for for themselves athletically. And then when they don't get there in three months, they're like mm-hmm. devastated. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's like mentally, um, you know, the, the big point there is just getting, getting the expectations right on the front end. Uh, and as far as a coach, like if you have a coach, your coach should be uh, guiding you and telling you, okay, you're running a, a, a nine minute pace for a marathon qualifying for Boston is going to take a while. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to, yeah. this could be a several year process. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Cause you know, we have had people that come right on and say, this is where I'm at. This is my goal. And you're like, you're trying not to offend them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you have to gin- gingerly explain yeah. to them that's going to take a while. Like, and I, if you're in for the work, we can we can give it our best shot, but that's a you're here and this is up here. We have to like it's going to be slow going. Definitely. You can't skip steps on the ladder to get there. Sure, we can't go from bottom step to top step. There's that's, a process. No, that's when I really try to also preach just process goals to people too, and try to get them to buy into just falling in love with the journey of it too. As mm-hmm. cliche as that is, rather than just like the result, because it's. I mean, yeah, like I when I. When I um, meet with new prospective clients, I have them fill out this athlete questionnaire, mm-hmm. and it has a bunch of different things on it. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely a part about, you know, like what are your goals, what races you have coming up, and that's something that I try to. If I, if I, you know, I, and it's hard to say. Like, I don't want to be like, you will not do that because, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, you don't want to be, be negative, smasher. right? Mm-hmm. But it's also like that's something that it's it's good to breach the very first meeting right up yep. front. Yep. Um, yep. You know, and even with something like the marathon or ultras, whatever, those races are so long that it's like, I've known people like some of my friends who run marathons too, that they've done everything right. They've had Mm -hmm. perfect training. And then on the day, it just didn't happen. And you're like, and it's just about with coaching athletes, like going through that process with them and then trying to be their sounding board. It is, it's really hard. Like coaching you know, which I'm saying not to you guys, but to the, you know, podcast, like coaching is so much more than just writing programs. But <laughs> there's mm-hmm. so much more that goes into it. Absolutely. But, sure. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. Not, like you kind of, you kind of talked a little bit about like goal setting there for a second. I know when mm-hmm. you and coach Chris were, were working with Houston high school, mm-hmm. when you won, won the, the, uh, the state championship with the, Shout with out. the ladies there, yeah, hey um, girls. that you did a lot of work with them on goal setting and expectations. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I like when, when Chris kind of talked about it, I guarantee you there was no other, no other program in the state who was doing that in depth of, uh, uh, work just on goal setting and, and keeping the expectations. I mean, I have no idea, maybe not, 
But yeah, we had 75 people, like girls and guys combined. And yeah, I met with every single one of them at Panera um, <laughs> for like 30 to 45 minutes. And, you know, they knew like I had kind of similar, like, this is what we're going to be talking about. This is a good time to tell me anything you want to talk about and speak and yeah. address it through the season. And I think it, it definitely helped. And then we had kind of like little follow up follow ups at the end of practice. Um, I didn't, I, I met with each of them at Panera, like at the beginning of the season, basically in the summer. Um, but then, yeah, like had follow ups, like I just picked a couple, like after practices to just assess and then, um, they ended up doing really well, but you know, I mean, I think yeah. Chris and I are good coaches, but I have to say those girls were like, another level <laughs> it was just like let's just not screw them up <laughs> just don't hurt them uh -huh. yeah it was like okay yeah yeah that was a, it was a good run um yeah. so like just kind of trying to touch on some of like the, the mental game side of things like what are just a few like of your personal kind of day of race day you know how to get your yourself in the right frame of mind to to put out a good performance um, I would say in general, I love racing. So it's actually like play to me. I get, I do get nerves sometimes too, just because like, I mean, yeah, there are those expectations, like your own expectations. But then when you have, if you have a sponsor, if you have an agent, if you have other meet directors who are looking to see how you do to get into other races mm -hmm. or whatever, um, you know, like that's definitely, but I just also think about like on race day, I try to practice, I try to actively practice gratitude and I keep a, um, a gratitude journal where every night before I go to bed, I write in like just something about the day that I really appreciated. And it can be something as whatever, like, oh, the grass was so pretty green today. <laughs> or like, I really, like yesterday I had a track workout at Rhodes and like the men's track team was like yelling for me. And that was so awesome for me. And that's what I wrote last night because I trained by myself and which gets kind of like, it can be a little boring and grueling. So it was sure. like, I had people like, <laughs> um, and so like, I, I kind of tend to try to really dial into that on race day and just think about how fortunate I am that, you know, and yes, I work, I work very hard and I am talented and all that, but also just like how, like, just, it's so exciting. Like I get to travel all over the world and, and race. Sure. And it's like this race result, like, yes, it will mean something in my career, but like I get to do what I love to do. And this is something that hardly, like not many people get to do this. And I also just, um, you know, that's, that's like the emotional part of it for me. I don't really race that well if I'm like upset or any, like, I'm mm -hmm. more of like a, <laughs> like a, like I do better when I have positive emotions. Um, but I, there's also other things like I have a certain routine that I try to stick to just because it helps with some nerves and it's familiarity. And I kind of, you know, I've been doing this. I mean, I'm, I'm 32 years old. I've been doing this since I was like, I've been pro since I was 22. So I've been doing this for a while. I kind of know like what kind of works for me, but I don't really have like you know, I, it's, um, it's fluid. I'm not like, I have to do this eight hours before I have to do this. It's kind of just like, yeah. that can mess with you too. Cause what happens yeah. if something isn't in line or there is a twist or what happens a delayed start or, yeah. oh my gosh, your, like, 
Yeah, and you can't control things like the weather. Exactly. I can't control that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't control what other people do in the race. All I can control is how I respond to things. Mm-hmm. And so um, another thing I kind of do, I don't like to think about the race at all. Like, I don't like to talk about it. I don't. And like this on the day. This is race day or? Yeah. Okay. Um, day of the race. Usually my races, if I'm running on the track, they are typically in the afternoon or at night. So like I'll have races. Usually they're like 3 p.m. or the night races are like 9 or 10 p.m. So like that's a long day mm-hmm. to sit there like and be naps. like, yeah, no, I definitely take a nap on race day. Like I have to <laughs> because like I also get like excited because I'm about to go like perform. Yeah. Um, but I I found that like if I just try to like not really think about it and just try to like relax my body and get, uh-huh. you know, just feel calm and just like happy that I'm there and happy that I've, I'm in a position to like really get the best out of myself on that day. Um, that, that helps me a lot. And, um, I also do, I mean, I do have like different strategies in my head that I'm thinking of like on race day, but I try not to really like when I start my, my warm up, which is like, typically it's 20 minutes of very easy jogging about depending on the weather, like 45 minutes to an hour before my race, that's kind of when I more start to think about like, you know, um, or go back. I've already, I've already thought about my strategies like the week and the couple of weeks before, depending on the race situation, because mm-hmm. it's never the same, but, um, that's kind of more when I like dial into that and then do more of like the pump up stuff, you know? <laughs> so it's not a full day pump up. It's no, let's stay calm. Let's would, stay calm. Let's stay calm. I would be so yeah. out of it if i yeah. did that like you oh my take gosh nap right before the start of the race mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> keep those you keep that uh that excitement level up here you know all day long and by the time you get to the race crash, yeah. yeah we yeah, got a few questions uh on facebook we can either answer oh. dive into some of those now or we can save them to the end one of them is this is a good one uh how do you this is from rebecca winter Hi. How do you how do you handle having a coach who's your husband? Oh yeah, that's the best question. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um yeah, that is something that it's okay. I think it's it's hard, but I also think it's very rewarding and gratifying at the same time. And I think that honestly, like it's it's actually a really hard setup. And I think Max and I the first year he's coached me now for <sighs> It's been four years, and I think the first, no, I don't know, four four or five years. The first year, he inherited kind of this really, like, upset, injured athlete who was, like, just pissed at everything because Uh I couldn't do what I love to do, basically. And So, so, so initially started as he wanted you to be happy. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. To ease things up on the home front a little bit. I mean, yeah, like, that's a whole other story about, like, I had, like, two other coaches and, like, uh, but things ended up how they were supposed to end up. Um, but yeah, basically, um, the first year was definitely the hardest because it was like, you, you know, you go your whole life and you're single being your own person and then you meet the person you're going to marry. And then you kind of have to compromise and kind of like learn who they are and how you work together and everything. And then when you add in, you have your coach as your husband or you're coaching Mm -hmm. your wife or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is a whole other aspect of this person and yourself that you're going to have to combine sometimes. And so it's really hard. Some people say like, 
you have to separate the two. So you have to separate like, okay, now I have my coaching hat on. Now yeah. I have my husband hat on. But that's, I feel, I think that's almost impossible to do. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is a time and a place for talking about training and then just being together as two people enjoying each other. And that that's been probably like one of the hardest things because with runners and I'm sure like most elite athletes, it's like, so much of what your day is tied into like your, I mean, it's my lifestyle. Yep. Like, and so it's like naturally like I'm sitting there and like my mind will start wondering to like my workout tomorrow and what pace is am I supposed to hit and what pace is that? And, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's like really difficult. Um, but yeah. And then I think, but I think it's also really gratifying because it's like when you do have a really good result or a breakthrough performance or whatever, it's like, um, you can share that with your husband and it's like, you did good too. Like, good job, <laughs> honey, you know, yeah. cause it's like, you helped me put myself in this position to where I was able to like get something that I really wanted, um, and get something out of myself. And he really wants that for me too. Um, and so that's really, really gratifying. But then it's when you have the bad races. I it's, that's, I think where people get in trouble mm-hmm. because like, I don't think it's ever been like Max isn't if I have a race that I'm just not super happy with, which there hasn't honestly, there hasn't been that many lately, but like, um, when I've been like super, like really healthy, but, um, he's not ever like, why did you, you know, he's like, what did I do? How can I make you better? How can I have avoided this? And I'm like, I didn't do this in the race, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can't like point fingers at the other person Mm -hmm. because, it just like that's just like a sinker for mm-hmm. <laughs> like and there's your coach relationship, but it's like your marriage is ultimately I'm only now, does he like does I'm he only... <laughs> like does he sneak stuff in like like yard work? Like today's strength training is going to be lawn mowing. <laughs> no. You don't want that me, could, you don't that want could me on a lawnmower. <laughs> that could cause I think Bryant and I both uh, swore off trying to, to coach our wives mm-hmm. about two years in. Uh, so, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I Kudos. think too, but I think me. you're actually hitting your workouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> be, oh, I didn't work out today. What should I do tomorrow? Right, stop talking. The, yep. The don't throw your too, wife under the bus on. You, <laughs> you have to own, like, I have to own my own performances. I can't like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to improve or get better if I'm like, well, my husband, my, my coach, like did this. And I, you know, I didn't think I should have done, you know, like I have to be like, I had to take ownership of what I do and that's like practices, races, like, you know, I'm the one, it's my body. Like I'm the one doing it. It's my mind. Like I'm the one, mm-hmm. you know, doing this. So you can't like, it's really hard, but you can't like, yeah. No, for sure. So to answer your question. Rebecca. No, that was good. <laughs> it so is hard. Like, one thing, like personally, like the last, probably the last three books, I kind of, I've kind of gotten into this like mental uh, mental game mm-hmm. obsession, just reading on it and stuff like that. And uh, I think, you know, a big, a big question for a lot of people was, okay, how do I, how do I improve my mental toughness? Like, uh, like pushing beyond when, when your brain's sitting there screaming at you, telling you, stop, stop it. Uh, you know, what, do you have any like uh, st- strategies, methods, suggestions as far as like, just improving your mental toughness on the whole, you know, you know, rather than, um, 
just going out and doing a bunch of hard workouts and seeing how good you do. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that's the limiting, that's, that's the limiter. I mean, everyone has their physical attributes and everything, but it's like, that's where you're going to really get the, that's, that's the good stuff. <laughs> it's like, sure. if you can push past that. And I think that is an ongoing work in progress for everybody. And I don't think it's like, it doesn't work on a linear, it's not like, you know, it's not like you just steadily, steadily get better and better. I think it's like a peaks and valleys kind of thing. Um, I think one of the biggest things too is like, if you're, you know, everyone's going to have workouts that just are, you feel terrible. And I think the biggest thing is probably just, um, not quitting and just finishing workouts for one thing, even if you aren't hitting your times, just doing it, just putting yourself through that, through the, through the grueling effort. And, um, you know, cause it's like, if you quit things and practice, you're more likely to like wimp out in a race. Like maybe you don't like, maybe you don't drop out of your race, but you'll mentally give up, mm -hmm. um, yeah. later on. But then, um, I mean, I, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the loaded question because, you know, some people say, you know, you can't, you, some people are like some coaches out there will literally say you can't, you can't improve mental toughness. It's like, it's either in you or it's, I like don't this, agree with the that. suffering. <laughs> and then the other ones would, will be like, yeah, there you have, it's like a skill you have to work yeah, on it. That's just what like I everything else. I mean, I, I'm more, I'm more in that camp. Um, if it's, it's a skill, um, I don't think you have it or you, or you, you don't really. Um, I think I'm definitely way more mentally tough than I was like, even like four or five years ago. Like, absolutely. And, um, I have a couple strategies for when I like am in races and workouts and things get really, really hard. But one thing that actually really helped me was like really learning about like your body's mechanisms for like handling pain and processing that. Right. And I think, you know, your body is designed, it's a well-oiled machine and it's designed to keep you alive. <laughs> and basically when you're in hard workouts and you, um, you know, you're halfway through or whatever, whenever, and you start feeling really, really tired, that's kind of, you know, your, your brain and your body, you're kind of working together. Your brain's kind of you know, your body's saying like, oh, I have like, my muscles are getting tight and I've got lactic acid building up or whatever. And, you know, um, and your brain is kind of sending signals to your body saying like, you're kind of getting to where, you know, you're working really hard, but you could push yourself harder than you think every single time because your brain is not going to let your, like, these are just warning signals that your, your brain is processing to say that like, yeah, like you're not at homeostasis. Yeah, <laughs> you I know? recognize that it's challenging. <laughs> There's some here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you can always push past that, but it's, um, that's continuously a work in progress. And I think that that's like some, like I try, that helped me to like learn about all of that and kind of like know like what's actually happening rather than, oh, I'm really hurting. I, I have to quit, mm -hmm. you know? I'm not going to die. I know I'm, I'm not, not going to really die. It really doesn't feel great, but yeah. it's not even really pain. It's more like 
intense discomfort. I mean, if you have like, an, if your leg is falling off and you have an actual injury, like I'm not saying push through everything because you're not going to die. Like if you're going to, you know, whatever, if your leg splintered, like probably don't finish the workout. Fatigue but like, is different than injury. Right. It's yeah. a little bit, it's a little different. Um, but I also think about too, how when I'm in, I feel like I don't think that there are tons of people in the world or in the U.S. that are that much more talented than me or that much more gifted than me. And I think that when I'm really, really hurting in a race or a workout, that means other people are really, really hurting mm -hmm. too. And if I can just kind of like make them hurt before they wanted to or expected to, mm -hmm. I'm going to... I'm going to get them. You'll have the advantage, yeah. yeah. The right. Hand. Even mm -hmm. though I'm hurting really, really bad too. Mm -hmm. But it's like, like, and I, I'm more of a, I'm not a big sit and kicker person. I'm more of a lead till you bleed person. Like I will like, I like that. try to string you out a little bit, <laughs> you know? And I mean, I've, I've won a lot of races that way and mm -hmm. it's really yeah. hard, but it's like, I just... That's like, like the prefontaine, that's how I right? Am. Wasn't that how prefontaine was? Oh my gosh! Hard and, uh, <laughs> like, he's crazy. See who can stay. Yeah. He's crazy. Make others suffer. Yeah, make so, them doubt. Make them give up first. Well, yeah, because it's like, and really, like you talked a lot of elite endurance athletes, and it's not even about what so and so is doing. It's like this is like it's always a personal battle. It's like mm -hmm. what can I handle, you know? And, um, so that's kind of what I, I think about too, when it comes to pain management is like, I can, I can manage this. And every, every time this happens, like if you have a workout, like yesterday I had 10 by 600 on the track, which is like 10 times a lap and a half around an outdoor track. And it started getting really, really hard. Um, I had about 90 seconds recovery in between the intervals. It's like, once I get done with the interval, I have that 90 seconds, but like, a minute into it, I'm like, all right, I, I can, I can go again. And it's like, I bet, I bet you like uh, most people, if you've ever quit a workout, it's like 90 seconds later, you're like, I feel fine. Mm -hmm. I could have pushed through it, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it's definitely like, and it's not to say like you're a worse athlete or whatever. It's just like, sometimes it's just about like getting, you know, like pra it's practicing that you have mm -hmm. to practice that. Yeah. I, so. I always put myself, how am I going to feel 90 seconds after my race or 90 yeah. seconds after this effort or I know I can give up now and the pain's going to go away but I also know 90 seconds after say like mo more recently our, our threshold tests that we do for cycling I know at minute 21 30 I'm going to be talking again I'm going to be fine and either I'm proud and happy of how far I pushed myself and how I yeah. did or I let myself you know give in to the thoughts in my yeah. head saying, yeah, this is really not comfortable. This is pretty miserable. Um, knowing that 90 seconds later, I'm going to go, man, I had more in me and I totally could have gotten yeah. that little bit extra. I don't want to be sitting on the couch that night going, oh, I'm so mad mm -hmm. at myself or like yeah. not on a plane to a race that I wanted to be at because mm -hmm. I let something that was in my control get the best of me, you know, like. Oh, and at your level, I mean, a percentage point is is big time it's yeah it's really actually like i try not to think about it too much because it's like really it makes me want to throw up but it's like <laughs> like the u.s is so good right now that it's like no one knows like what's going to happen because there's so many of us that are really good mm -hmm. it's packed and it's at the like, top right it now it literally could be like two hundredths of a second mm -hmm. and it's like and that could be like 
there's nothing you did really wrong or whatever, but it's like, so it's just hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, also there's this strategy, there's this technique about like the, the next day's newspaper about like what, how I do it, like how, you know, will I handle myself in this race or whatever? Like, what do I want the newspaper to say? Like, yeah. what do I want the sports page to say? That's like also something kind of fun to think about. Like, I don't know. But, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've not heard that before, but I like that one. Yeah. yeah. So we use a lot of same, well, same a lot of it uh, a lot of the strategy you know like Brian was saying our our threshold test you can even for a lot of people who haven't put themselves in a scenario to to hurt uh, <laughs> you will you're going to be terrible at it at first mm-hmm. and then the more you put yourself into that scenario those hard workouts or those all out efforts or even just races where you're really pushing yourself you get a little bit better and even if you yeah. even if you like like took a threshold test if you're new at it took threshold tests. The next day after your first one, you would do better. Yeah. Because mentally, you know how to pace oh, yeah. it. You know how to, you know, you know what it's going to feel like. You know that there's an end. You like, know you'll live. Yeah. You know, like, so it is. I do think, I do think the more you put yourself into those scenarios, the yeah. better you get at it. Um, Absolutely. If nothing more than just uh, uh, effort regulation and, you know, for, uh, I tell a lot of people, you know, you start, like bank the positive thoughts like whatever it is whether it's your kids or your like like bank those positive thoughts for when the dark ones start to come in and then you know a ton of studies have shown that you know just even thinking about something like positive in that moment like fires your brain back up um well and i i choose to do this i don't have to do this like i choose (laughs) to like push myself this Hard. suffering by choice yeah yeah <laughs> well su- yeah. like su- what is that what is that cliche quote that people say it's like suffering is um pain pain is pain is inevitable no wait pain is temporary pain is no it's like um keep going pain keep going. pain is Get temporary going. going i've got one pain is oh that's what no i mean pain, i need no i need to find my phone to show you this quote but yeah, yeah it's like suffering suffering is is like pain is like inevitable like suffering is optional like it's gonna hurt but like you don't have to yeah, yeah. mentally like, you don't have to suffer yeah yeah i i think i think a lot of people <laughs> that took way too long <laughs> oh yeah. nailed it sorry that wouldn't be the nailed first it. that wouldn't be the first time we went like this <laughs> But like, I think a lot, like a lot of people just, um, they have these aspirations of getting better, getting fitter, having better performances and they'll do the work up to the point where it gets hard and the, and the, the suffering starts to come in, um, you know, and then they're, you know, sometimes they're the first ones are like, well, how do I get more mentally tough where these workouts are not, uh, you know, so grueling for me, like. We just got to do them. Yeah, like, you just have to do Sometimes them. Sometimes you just have to hurt. I mean, mm-hmm. the yeah. the the other big strategy that we use a lot, especially in cycling, uh, because we teach um, pedal stroke mechanics so heavily, mm. uh, oh. is just to run through like all of the different phases of the pedal stroke and focus on one movement in what you're doing, uh, and then once you kind of rifle through all of those movements, you know, a lot of times you realize that your perceived exertion drops. Because you've maybe given like certain muscle groups a break for a split yeah. second, mm-hmm. um, and that that seems to really help uh, 
you know, at least, at least for cyclists, it really helps uh, yeah. sustain effort for a longer period of time. That's the same with, with running too. It's kind of um, counterintuitive, but it's like to run fast for a very long time, you have to be relaxed and loose mm-hmm. and you yeah. can't be like tense, but it's like no. so opposite of what people, yeah. like you think like I have to, yeah, you have to like muscle through it and like, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, no, it's like you keep your face relaxed. Like you keep your arms on here. You don't like, I tend to do this and it's like, <laughs> The tight hands? <laughs> yes, I tend to like get claw hands uh-huh. and it's like, no, and that, that definitely helps too, like on hard reps, um, like yesterday even, like, and th- this is, I had, I had to take a small break at the beginning of March because I aggravated a disc in my back while lifting, um, but it's fine now, but yeah, so I had like my first, my second track workout back yesterday and I had to like go through those cues yeah. again and yeah. it's like a constant, like, it's not like, it's always like just keeping reminders in the forefront of your mind when things get hard, like how to you have that list. How to yeah. do that. Yep, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Ro- and it's easy to forget. That, that mental checklist. Uh yeah. When when things get hard really, 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 really helps. All right. So we're just we're taking up a lot of your time, but we're gonna throw in some <laughs> some rapid fire questions here. Okay. All right. Favorite race? Like like race ever? venue or like um Favorite race to do, venue, place, time? I really like, um, I like the US 5K Road Champs in New York. It's really fun. It's in November. It's um, like the, it's the day, two days before the New York Marathon. So it's just a lot of excitement. Yeah, the buzz, Um, the buzz is Yeah, like I, like track is where my heart is, but I love the road as well. Um, But yeah, I just love that. I love that race and um as far as track goes i think my favorite place i've raced was in london at the um the queen elizabeth olympic park it's like it's like you have to go through security to get it it's like (laughs) it's called the the it's kind of like the um the bird's nest um in shanghai but it's basically just like this really cool like you have to google images of it um but it was just it's like the biggest crowd i've ever race in front of it was a um it was a diamond league event in in london this past july and it was just so fun um yeah i mean i like a lot of races (laughs) i was gonna (laughs) that one's good i was gonna ask what what you preferred whether it be track or road i like track better okay that's just there was there was one question on facebook do you do you do much cross country anymore and do you enjoy running uh off off of the uh the track do any off-road stuff? Um, I don't, I really don't do a ton of cross country. Um, I'm like a baby deer when it comes to grass. Like I run on my toes. And so sometimes like, um, I feel like I should do some more like workouts on grass because it would help strengthen my weak points in my body, like my ankles and feet. But I always end up like rolling my ankles. (laughs) And so like I get a little nervous, but I have run in the brooks, like, like the twilight invite, Mm -hmm. um, in August here in Memphis, that's fun. And like, I, I think it definitely is great for building mental, um, I guess building mental toughness too, because that's really, really hard. Um, it's grueling, but I don't really do a lot of, a lot of grass stuff. Um, I was going to do the elliptigo world champs, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, they have that that in San Diego, but I was going to do it last year, but it didn't work out with my schedule. So like, I like doing fun stuff like that, but it just has to like, 
like Add to be the, the overall plan. Yeah, <laughs> like it, you know, and there's like a time and place for some stuff. But um, yes, I do road races. I'll do 5K, 10K on the road. I was going to run a half marathon in January, but I had some Achilles issues, so I decided not to. But I mostly do track now. All right, but. favorite piece of gear. Favorite piece of gear? Yeah, anything. Um, I I don't know. What is your favorite piece of gear? <laughs> well, my favorite piece of Give gear like broke on me. So. About. <laughs> oh, like you're okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love track spikes. Like I so just like kind, the feel of that brand. I've had a pair of old Nike Milers that I've worn for years. Right now, I'm currently unsponsored, so I can talk about whatever now. Uh-huh. But so basically, um, not for long. Nike, on this couch. Nike. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, I just got national funding, so that's great. But Perfect. I don't have like a shoe sponsor right now. But I do have an old pair of yeah Nike Milers. They're really old. They're actually like there's leather on them. they're really yeah i love them they're just like nostalgic for me um but i do race in brooks um brooks spikes and um as far as gear goes like i i mean i guess for rehab and maintenance i just love i use just lacrosse balls and just work out spots on my Mm -hmm. on my legs and usually my injury spots when things pop up are all lower legs so um it'll be like perineal tendonitis or achilles or whatever so i just have like a whole routine that i go through with lacrosse balls and um epsom salt that's another piece there of that go. i would say that's gear that's there we gear. go it's on the list it's on the list <laughs> yeah all right favorite post-race meal <sighs> chipotle Chipotle. Chipotle. chipotle chipotle for the win massive burrito not much hesitation bur- I mean, there either chipotle yeah. anything that's like Indian or falafel, mm. like something like ethnic or real hearty or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I love food, but that's hey. what that's what comes to my mind. Which I'm guessing none of those are pre-race meals. <laughs> no, you know? like I actually have a really strong stomach. I can eat like whatever the night before, but like I stick to like in the morning, like oatmeal or whatever, toast, yeah. and just like Bland an stuff. avocado chicken sandwich before I race. Coffee. <laughs> Favorite workout. I like, um, I like 400 meter repeats, but I also, what I've actually like really learned to love is gear change workouts. Oh yeah. So we did this yesterday where I had this 10 by 600 meters and the odd number intervals, like one, three, five, seven, and nine were just even paced, like try to run this pace. Mm -hmm. And then the even pace intervals, two, four, six, eight, and 10, I was supposed to cruise through 400 of it and then hammer the last 200. And so for me, like, I think I get more like, like with a lot of championship style events, it'll be like kind of a hobby jog or like a cruise until the last, like whatever, like three, four, five, 600 meters. And then it's like, then just go all out and see. And so that helps me with that. And I, I I tend to do better with actual long intervals. Like we've even done some that are like thousand meter repeats where you'll run like 800 meters. Well, either, either like cruising or just like, or, or really at, at race pace or under, and then just hammering the last 200 where you just try to run like 800 meter pace. Yeah. And that just helps me a lot. That's like, that's a confidence booster workout too. Yeah. So that's specific. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's, 
what I like, but I also, this is so weird that I can say this now, but I love long runs now. I used to really, really? be scared of them because I was a half miler, Yeah. <laughs> but I love long runs and I had my longest long run um, this January. So. <laughs> the dog's over here like itching herself. <laughs> Uh, all Off camera. Yeah, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So long runs. I just I love that, and it's also like the one run. Like I meet with a big group of runners on Sunday mornings, and it's just like social. But like we we'll we'll go up. We'll get after it though. Yeah. It's not like an easy run. It's like we'll get fast yeah. at the end. Good. Yeah. All right. So how do like if somebody wants to get in contact with you how, before before we go let you do that? I have to I have to tell a short story about your. Instagram when so when I so when I first okay. like when uh when um I'm not sure where this the handle going. just yes okay yeah yeah when okay, when Chris started talking uh to us about you like way back when you guys were working mm-hmm. with Houston uh found you on Instagram and I like read the thing and I was like Ah, gosh, she's really she really likes herself a lot. No, I know. I'm so <laughs> then, worried that people like then, think that. And then so I like funny. kept reading it, and it was probably like three days later, and I was like, "Wait a minute, hot pockets, hot pockets." <laughs> like, thank, you. thank you, thank <laughs> you. Okay, and I am so nervous I about got that, that right because away. thank you. I, I like I get worried because literally, what are you so pick? Last hot summer, pockets. I was in somewhere. I think I was in. I think it was in Ireland, and. We all race and whatever, and then they, like, at all these, some of these meets, they'll have, like, um, just catered dinners for us and whatever. So we're all, like, sitting around, and <laughs> I, like, was like, who gets my Instagram handle? And people were like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, like, half and half. It was, like, some people were like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's, like, whatever. Yeah. And then some people were like, were like, I don't know what to think about you. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. Like on my like Instagram stories, like I'll put some stuff on there. Like I was at the grocery store the other day in the frozen food section and I took a picture of the hot packs and it was like self, self portrait. <laughs> yeah. That needs to be the main picture. Which is probably like one of the worst things you can eat. And like they, they're actually like really not, they, I don't think they're that good. But anyway, I just thought it was funny. Well, I think so you I blew your it. hot pocket sponsorship right there. In the- oh, yeah, hot pockets. Is I mean, you know, but. Yeah. So if somebody right. wants to get in touch with you as far as, uh, you know, getting some coaching. Sales, or some, sales got the Insta link up there. Put it up there. So everyone knows. Yeah, it would be. So um, Instagram, I have a, a link on there that you can it, you can message me and it sends it to my, my work email, which is my, um, I have like, you know, my personal email, which is like shopping or whatever. And then I have my other one, which is like. <laughs> Max, you know. did you hear that? Did you hear that, Max? <laughs> <laughs> or like coaching and like all everything that has to do with running like beat directors and whatever. Um, so yeah, like that, the Instagram link sends it to my business email. Um, and then I do have a website. It's elitesp.org. And there's also an option to email me on that. And um, yeah, if you want to talk shop or just talk about running, cool. You know, Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lauren. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming. Yeah, so thanks for having me. Great content here. Guys, thanks for watching, hanging out, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Adios. Bye.